Good morning, everyone. Let me turn into John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I don't know if James was aware of what we're going to be studying in this class this morning, but he couldn't have picked a better song to introduce his study of the death and resurrection of Lazarus and speaking about our own resurrection, the resurrection of our Lord and ultimately our own resurrection. It will be the morning of joy when that day comes. But as we turn to chapter 11, it begins a new section in the Gospel of John. Up until now, Jesus has uh, been preaching. He's been teaching the people. He's been debating the uh, Jewish leaders. He has been making proclamations and miracles all put forth to show that he is indeed the divine Son of God. And as he has done this up until this point in time, uh, of course there have been growing numbers of believers, those who believe in him to be the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, but also and probably even a far greater number have rejected him in disbelief. And it's a cycle that sort of becomes evident as uh, we go through the Gospel of John. But now we are in uh, chapter 11. It's been uh, about four months since the events of chapter 10. And uh, it's time for Jesus' final days of, of suffering. And his resurrection is, is drawing near. So it seems that John is trying to, from this point forward, to compress time. Uh, in the first ten chapters, uh, John is describing uh, events that occurred anywhere from 30 to 33 months uh, uh, period. And the last 11 chapters, as we begin today, describes the words and events that take place in the last two or three months. So from this time to the end of the book, we're looking at two to three months. And so a lot's going to happen during this time. And the first uh, and very spectacular event that John gives detail to is the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Uh, Jesus had um, a very close relationship with this family Lazarus was his beloved friend and is the brother of Mary and Martha that we know about. And they are the one, the family that is from Bethany. Bethany is not far from Jerusalem, about uh, one and a half to two miles uh, away, not very far. And it's interesting as we begin chapter 11 to note that uh, except for his crucifixion that this this event, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, will be his last public action that he'll do. And from now on, he will be exclusively in the company of disciples. And with this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, he will end his public ministry. 
Uh, he'll prove with the raising of Lazarus beyond a shadow of a doubt his divine power. And also in all of this, he will provide a preview of his own death and resurrection that is to come in the very near future. So I'd like for us to do as usual, just begin going through it verse by verse. We'll look at the first six verses first, so if you want to follow along, I'm reading from the New King James Translation. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed our Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So it's very interesting here. We have to understand, I think, that everything that Jesus said and did has its purpose, or as its person, uh, purpose, the creation of faith in the hearts of the people. Soon Jesus himself is going to be killed, and he knew that his disciples had to be prepared to face his death without losing their faith. They're human. Even being with Jesus uh, day by day and night by night for a period of uh, some three years, still they're, they're very fragile, and their faith is still very fragile. Jesus, of course, was not concerned about death. He had just said previously in chapter 10 that he has the power to lay it down and take it up again. So his disciples are the ones that he is concerned about. They needed help in experiencing the death of their leader without being totally devastated or crushed. So this miracle was... Uh, not only to create faith in the new disciples, but also, also to strengthen the faith of the existing disciples in the face of death. Uh, in verse 4, notice he said that this sickness is not unto death. Of course, we knew that Lazarus did die from whatever sickness that he had. I believe that what Jesus is talking about here is that death would not be the end of the matter. And we know that to be true in light of Jesus' teachings. Uh, one point that is of interest is in verse 6. Now, keep in mind here that uh, Jesus is far away. Uh, after the events of uh, chapter 10, uh, they go to the uh, east of Jordan. They're in the area where John the Baptist baptized at first, uh, the area of Perea. So that's quite a distance from Jerusalem. Some have estimated that it would be walking about a day, at least a day's journey from there to Jerusalem, perhaps even, even longer. 
But in verse 6, it says, So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days in the place where he was. He didn't immediately go. And many times we read that and we wonder why. Uh, just offhand, it would seem that the natural response would be, we've got to go, we've, we've got to get there. Now, the message that came from Mary and Martha to Jesus that someone brought was that he was sick, not that he was dead. And so, Jesus, of course, knows all things. He is God as well as man. Why did he choose to stay two additional days before going? He thought. All right, that that is one response or possible reason. Uh, Jesus knew that uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead would be a great moment to create faith. However, others have looked at that, and that generally is, is the idea. When you look at it, that's perhaps one of the first things that comes to mind is, is that he is wanting to use his death. But some have thought, well, isn't that cruel? Isn't that cruel of Jesus to allow Lazarus and the family to go through that misery of sickness and then finally his death just so that he could do a miracle of raising him from the dead. And so others have looked at this and seem to think, well, uh, Jesus knew that by the time the message reached him that Lazarus was dead. No need to hurry to see if he could uh, heal him from his sickness. He was already dead. And, and this uh, is plausible, if you think about it, if uh, it is correct that it was about a day's journey from where Jesus was east of the Jordan to come to Bethany, which was very near Jerusalem, then the messenger, when he left Bethany, Lazarus was alive. And so the message was he's sick. He takes a day to travel to Jesus to give him the message. Jesus, if we'll look uh, in the following verses, already knows that by that time, Lazarus is dead. He first says that uh, he's asleep, as we'll be looking at, and then he says plainly he's dead. And so if you take a day for the messenger to go, plus two days that Jesus stays there longer before leaving, that's three days, and then four days for Jesus and his apostles to travel to Bethany, you've got four days. And as we'll be seeing when they get there, we found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And so I've come to really believe that uh, he stayed two days further knowing that Lazarus was already dead. And that, that being the case, uh, it would not matter if he hastened immediately or not. But 
that uh, they would go when the time was right. I don't fully understand it. I've read some of the things in studying this, that there is something about four days of uh, a person being in the tomb that there was a belief or maybe a tradition something about possibly his spirit hovering over him and that the four days would uh, give a chance for a reuniting of the spirit with the body or something of that nature. I don't know about that. Anyway, Jesus knows all. Jesus knew by the time the messenger came that Lazarus was already dead. So for whatever reasons, he decided to stay two days longer, which put the time that he came to Bethany that it had been four days that Lazarus had been in the tomb. Well, it's of no consequence either way. We know that in the providence of God that this was something in God's mind that would create faith in Jesus as the divine Son of God. And that's what matters in this. The miracle, uh, then, uh, has more to do in this section with how the disciples react to Lazarus' death than to Lazarus himself. Jesus is still concerned about his disciples and their faith in his upcoming death. So as we go further, uh, John divides uh, the story or the account into four parts showing how four people reacted to Lazarus' death. There would be the apostles and Martha and Mary and then Jesus. So we'll look at these uh, one by one. First of all, how did the apostles react to uh, the death of Lazarus? We'll be looking at verses 7 through 16 uh, here, looking at the apostles and their reaction so we'll continue our reading. Let's read verses 7 and 8. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? So again, the, the apostles are human they didn't notice so much the death of Lazarus, but the threat of death to Jesus and consequently to them as well. And they were troubled about the prospect of returning to the place where there had been serious threats and attempts to kill Jesus. And so I think their reaction initially to this has to be that of fear. They didn't want to go there. They didn't want Jesus to go there. They themselves didn't want to go back there. So continuing on, verses 9 through 10. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Uh, here, Jesus is reassuring them 
by explaining that their safety that they're concerned about is not measured by the power of their enemy, but rather whose side are they on? Are you fearful of the enemies of Jesus more than uh, realizing whose side the enemies are on and whose side they are on and what that means? They're on the side of Jesus. What are the implications of that? Well, Jesus is the light. And Jesus guarantees the way. He creates day wherever he is. And to be with Jesus is safe. So even if they go back, if they're with Jesus, they are safe. And they're not to stumble no matter how difficult the road. But on the other hand, the enemies of Jesus represent the night, darkness. And their plan will fail In this case, I think the plan to kill Jesus before it was time for Jesus to die in God's mind. Because the enemies of Jesus are on the wrong side. Uh, They are weak because they are not on the Lord's side. But we continue on in verses 11 and 12. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. So they are still looking and thinking about the message that the messenger has brought. He's sick. And Lord, if if he is sleeping, uh, he'll eventually wake up. He'll get well. So Jesus had said in the beginning, let us go. And seeing their fear, he says, I go to awaken him from sleep. The apostles are thinking literally that he's just asleep. And they try to discourage Jesus by saying, there's no need for you to go. He'll, he'll wake up, he'll get better. They do not want uh, his going to make them look bad or fearful. In verse 13 that we'll read here in just a second, uh, death is sleep. When Jesus was talking about Lazarus is sleeping, I'm, I'm going to wake him up, it was a soft way of saying that he's dead, and I'm going to raise him from the dead. So picking up with verse 13 and going through 15, however Jesus spoke of his death, But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So Jesus just plainly says, what I'm talking about is that Lazarus is dead. I know that the message said that he is sick, but he is in fact dead. And he expresses his joy in that God has worked out the circumstances and the providence of God in such a way that Jesus will perform a great miracle before their eyes and thus encourage them, the apostles, to believe. So once more, Jesus is encouraging his apostles to faith and courage by saying, let us go to him. 
Then we come down to verse 16. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas, after Jesus invites them all once more to, to come, finds courage and encourages the others to follow Jesus. So in this exchange, the apostles went from fear to courage, at least initially. But Jesus' miracle, of course, we, we know what will happen uh, when Jesus is hanging on the cross. And uh, Mike, did you have something? Go ahead, you're talking. I'll throw one in. Well, we, just, we know ahead of time uh, from our study what will happen. They will fear. They will flee all except John from the foot of the cross. But here at least uh, for the time being, Thomas encourages his fellow apostles, look, we can do this. Uh, Let's go with him, even if it means death. Uh, Let's go and and die with him, right? Well, we always think of Thomas as doubting Thomas. He comes through before then. He is only, let's give him a positive. He is ready. Yeah. He's the first to be convinced, not Peter, but Thomas. Yeah, that's a good point. Doubting Thomas. He doesn't look like that here, does it? He is a courageous Thomas. So this is the apostles' reaction to the death of Lazarus. Once they realize that Lazarus is actually dead, uh, then that changes the picture. Uh, Jesus is going there to meet the family. And uh, Jesus has already said, I'm going to wake him up or to raise him up. And so the apostles now go from fear, maybe still a little bit under the surface, but they go from fear to, uh, to courage. Uh, they went from fear to courage and Jesus would bring them to the ultimate goal, faith, belief true belief. They will see for themselves the great miracle that is to come to pass. There. Yeah. Can you explain to me why on chapter 5 on that the writer emphasized that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Why did they emphasize that? Oh, why did they emphasize? And even here, uh, Lazarus, whom you loved, and then later on the reaction of the people, see how Jesus loved him. Yeah, the, the emphasis is there in several places. I don't know how to accept to uh, just know that Jesus was human. You know, we have people that we are closer to than, than others. Doesn't necessarily have to be family. Uh, sometimes a friend is closer than a brother. The scriptures. Uh, Tell us. And there are people that we just really love. And so uh, I guess that's it, just to emphasize that among all, Jesus loved everyone, all people. But it's understandable that he would be closer to some than to the others. He was close to John in the inner circle of the disciples, uh, the apostles. I know... uh, Early last year, uh, I got a call from uh, Russia, 
from the son-in-law of Brother Gennady, who has been here at Midway, whom you know, one of the elders of the Sixth Car Church, director of the Bible School, one of the first converts in the church there. And the news that uh, Pankaj, his son-in-law, told me over the phone was that Gennady is dead. Uh, he's been hit by a car while he was out walking the night before, and, and he's dead. And uh, for Kay and me, uh, the Sherbakov family is the closest family in the whole time that we've been involved in Russia. We felt so close to this family. And so this just hit like a ton of bricks. And I, I tried to imagine how, you know, emotionally uh, this affected Jesus because he did uh, really love, he was very close to this family. Maybe some other comments along that line. That's the way, right? We all need close friends. Mm -hmm. Being fellow ministers, we have to pick our friends wisely who we can be relaxed with. Mm -hmm. And this was one family Jesus could be accepted. Yeah. And he could kick his feet up. He had an apostle, but he had to be an example to them and be their teacher and leader. But with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he could just relax and be family. And family is so important. We need family. So who was Jesus' family? Brothers didn't believe in him. Yeah, it His mama yeah. uh, loved him. But he needed someone to love him and be his true family, just like we need that same association. Mm -hmm. Good point. Well, let's go on then, uh, and we'll look at Martha's reaction. This was the apostle's reaction. Now Martha's reaction in verses 17 through 27. So let's continue reading this section, then uh, we'll go back, verses uh, 17 through 27. So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So let's look at Martha's reaction. As we mentioned, the tomb, or the body, had already been in the tomb for four days. Uh, the Jews did not embalm. 
They just merely perfumed and cleaned the body and wrapped it in cloth. And the body begins to decompose after four days in an airless and hot stone tomb. And so this is the situation. Uh, Four days decomposition has already set in. Uh, There would be uh, decay already. And so this is the case. It sets up. Well, Martha respects Jesus. She sees him as a great prophet and healer and knows that he could have saved him if he had been there, but he wasn't. And she expresses this idea that even now after he has died, you weren't here when he was sick so that you might heal him. He's dead, but you have come. And even now, whatever you ask the Father, he will give it to you. And so in verse 23, Jesus tells her clearly what he's about to do. Now verse 24 is interesting. Because she repeats what she has learned as a good Jew. That at the end of the world, the good and faithful Jews will all be raised from the dead. And she doesn't want to bother God. She is so reasonable. This is Martha. You remember, she was the practical one uh, from previous studies and encounters with Jesus being in their home. So she is reasonable and controlled as she meets Jesus now. And Martha's response to death, uh, the author of our material, uh, uh, Mazzalongo, uh, refers to it as resignation. She was just resigned to the fact he was sick. You were not here to heal him. He died. Uh, that, that's a fact. But whatever you ask, I know that God will grant it to you. So hers was a reaction of uh, resignation. Just acceptance. She is resigned to the fact that death is there. And somewhere in the future, according to the religion that she has learned, there will be a resurrection. However, at the moment, death is greater than resurrection. Now, for Martha, death or the resurrection uh, is there. Death is real. And resurrection at this point in Martha's understanding was just a doctrine, a teaching that she believed in, but it wasn't doing anything to comfort her right now. She was just resigned. She has accepted the death of her brother. And so a true doctrine she believes, but something less than real, the death that she faces. Uh, It's interesting to maybe stop here and just look at uh, this doctrine of resurrection. If you were here last Sunday and heard uh, Brother Don Blackwell and all of the lessons that he brought, uh, it was very powerful. And uh, he spent quite a bit of time in a very good, organized, easy-to-understand way he talked about the resurrection, our resurrection. And it's powerful. But uh, exactly where in the Bible does this come into play as a distinct 
uh, doctrine. We know, of course, that the Pharisees believed, uh, the major sect of the Pharisees at the time of Jesus, believed uh, very much, though, in the resurrection, as Martha has explained here. The Sadducees, the more liberal sect of the Jews at this time, uh, did not believe in the resurrection. That was one of the main differences uh, between the two sects. But in the Old Testament, in the earlier parts, uh, it does not ex- uh, state uh, or speak explicitly upon the subject of resurrection. But Christ, however, declares the doctrine to be generally presupposed in the Old Testament. Uh, turn with me briefly to Luke chapter 20, uh, verses 37 and 38. Luke 20, 37 and 38. And in context here, Jesus has been confronted by the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection. And they have posed the question to Jesus about the resurrection. Now notice what Jesus says uh, in verses 37 and 38, Luke 20. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised. When he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. And so way back there, even in the burning bush, according to Jesus, there is evidence of the general resurrection. And then, of course, other places in the Old Testament, there are allusions to it. Uh, Consider Genesis 22 and verse 5. And in context, this is uh, Abraham about to offer his son Isaac according to the command that had been given him. Genesis 22 and verse 5 says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. You see there what he is saying Even though I'm going to put my knife through his heart, he's going to be dead, yet we are going to come back. Then later on in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews mentions in chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And so here is the resurrection uh, doctrine that Jesus believed in, acknowledged even in the Old Testament, and currently... And then, of course, this is also a part of uh, the apostolic teaching after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And uh, we'll just consider this uh, last uh, reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Well, the buzzer is rang, so I won't read that. But anyway, you know the New Testament teaching on the resurrection. 
that uh, Brother Blackwell did such a great job last Sunday teaching us. So this was a doctrine that was known and believed in by the conservative Jews. Uh, Jesus certainly believed and, and taught it. And Martha believed this. She knew that that was going to be the case in the end. But Lord, that's not helping me right now. My brother has died. And so he said that he will rise. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Well, we'll need to stop right here and we'll continue uh, with the account next Sunday, Lord willing. Thank you.